a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Brought to you by Maxis and Alpine Star Protection. Uh, thank you for listening. Appreciate it. You can get this uh, show and many more on the archives. Steve Mathis Classics. There's three volumes of those. And uh, appreciate it. You get the app. You can listen on that. You can listen on iTunes and on Stitcher and all of that. Uh, thank you for checking this out. Um, flyracing.com. Love these guys. Love everything they do for us over the years. Uh, great company. Great bunch of guys down there. Weston Pike. Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, uh, just some of the guys that wear fly racing. The fly racing F2 helmet that guys like Benny Bloss and Baggett and Pike wear at the races are the exact same one you can get at your dealership, everybody. So the F2 carbon with MIPS and uh, flyracing.com, they be much more than just moto gear. If you're interested in mountain bike stuff, which my guest on the line is, if you're interested in snowmobile stuff, if you're interested in uh, watercraft, flyracing.com has got you covered. Also, too, Maxxis Tires, the MXST tire coming out, developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath, whether it's uh, tires for your car, your, your truck, trailer, ATV, mountain bike, uh, Maxxis Tires will let you hook up, pull the whole shot, and beat the competition in any terrain or conditions. Uh, like I said, Maxxis.com, MXST tire coming out soon, and Alpine Stars, uh, Alpine Star Protection, whether it's the Tech 10 boots, which is the benchmark boot in motocross, or the A4 chest protector. Well, a fundamental statement for the company responsible for the continued progression of cutting-edge tech and industry-leading safety. Love the guys at Alpine Stars, and uh, I got a pair of Tech 7s, and if you're not in the mood for a boot with a booty, check out the 7. Uh, fits very well, and uh, I couldn't be happier with it. So thank you again for listening. With me on the line, uh, a top privateer throughout the 1980s, uh, some really good finishes in the 500 class, and uh, some good finishes all around. Mark Murphy, what's up, Mark? How are you, man? I'm doing well. Down here in sunny Palm Harbor, Florida. Just got done with a little bike ride and mm -hmm. just uh, winding down. Nice, nice. Thank you for doing this. Appreciate it. So, you ride much at all anymore? You get on a dirt bike? No, I, I did a little riding back in 2008 and seven on a on a 450 Honda. I uh, did some um, like Vet Pro stuff, um, but. I kind of ventured out to mountain bikes, and so I've taken up mountain biking, and I ride competitively, mm -hmm. uh, some XC racing and some uh, enduro-type racing. Nice. So I've segregated over to the pedal power. <laughs> um, is it uh, a little bit because of your body from all those years of racing? Like, do you, do you know, is it a little bit uh, safer that way? Or how did you end up after all those years of moto? Well, I never thought you could do mountain biking in Florida, first of all, but... <laughs> Um, I had this one friend that just was bugging me to go ride, and, you know, I'm 
spent so much time out in the in the hills of like California and stuff and, and I said there's no way I mean I'm just I just wasn't yeah. even thinking that it was going to be something that I would entertain me and uh, he just bugged me and bugged me and I went and bought a mountain bike and then went out to this trail and I said holy crap man this there is some terrain here yeah and and so I I, I fell in love with it and you know I. I get a lot of enjoyment of the same stuff um, that you get in moto. Um, I've never been much of a trail rider in moto, but I, I've always liked, you know, mm-hmm. technical rhythm sections and and off-camber turns and, you know, choppy and stuff like that. And the mountain bike, and you get a lot of that where you're moving around on the bike. And yeah. You're, you know, yeah. and, you, and, and, you know, so I, I feel like um, I just get a lot more seat time for a lot less work as far as yeah. getting bikes ready and the maintenance of them and and also just it's it's a little more casual in a sense that you can you can rest for a second and then catch back up whereas on moto it's it's more yep. you know intense yeah i i've been riding more on my dirt bike lately but i was in the mountain biking for a while and for mm-hmm. a guy like me i was getting 70 miles a week on my mountain bike and mm-hmm. I was really getting into it, like coming down some of the hills and everything. It's mm-hmm. it's technical, mm-hmm. like you said, and all that. And I was really surprised yeah. at how much I got into it. And so now I'm dirt bike riding again, and yeah. it's two hours total driving time. It's you know takes up a big part of my day. I I, I get yeah. I get I get I've already crashed really hard on the dirt bike. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can totally see where you're saying yeah. where mountain bikes. <laughs> yeah. If I was smart when I went back to riding, another thing that you know I I probably with all respect to that if if i would have had better cardio uh and the mountain bike creates that i i probably could have like i i was going out and riding like 10 or 12 minutes and i I would do this once or twice a week and there's no way to increase your cardio doing that yeah and and so i you know i just couldn't get enough seat time for how much energy i had to put into it and and with if i would have did it right i would have i probably would have enjoyed riding moto a lot more and as a recreational rider in in the you know the early you know in the 2008s and 7s but so but you know there's still there's still time for that um there's a lot of riding facilities down here and and you know who knows you know once i slow down uh a little bit on the work side of things um which i'm gearing up for that now i may have a little extra time to fit fit moto back in my life as far as riding and i think it'll be better this time because i'll get i'll be able to ride longer than for for the amount of energy i put in to try to get out to the track yeah uh what are you doing these days for work what do you do what does mark murphy do i am a uh i'm a fence contractor i have a pretty big fence company down in fort myers florida um i run about 30 to 40 employees um and that's a big business so that's you know, I, I'm down there about three and a half to four days a week, and then I'm back up in Palm Harbor for the okay. usually on Thursdays. All right, it's about a hundred miles south. Uh, Fort Myers is about a hundred miles south of like the Tampa Bay area, which is where I'm at now. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So I've got I've got this this video uh, when I worked for Red Dog. It's this video of RC just going off at me after a race. He thought Red Dog was trying to take him out, and he's very upset. And we made ESPN. And uh, he was telling me he's going to shoot me and and screw Red Dog and screw me and everything else and I, and and so anyways, uh, me me the mechanic I'm like hey go deal with Timmy like I got nothing to do with this but this video Mark surfaces 
once a month for me, once every couple of months, people are like, hey, check this out. I've told this story a hundred times. I've talked about this video over and over. But for you, I got to think that your, your video for me is the photo of you at Daytona stretched out mxa put it in the back and uh you're absolutely the moment before you you eat crap uh it is an iconic photo you were doing a superman before there was superman freestyle tricks yeah it's it's unfortunate that's <laughs> a lot of people know me because of that i know right um yeah yeah it's, yeah it was a gnarly get off yeah uh so yeah. what what happened what'd you do um what actually happened was this is back in the day when Gary Bailey was building the tracks and and uh, me and Scott Barnworth joke on social media a little bit about this because he had the same thing he just never got his picture taken so <laughs> for everyone out there I'm not the only one so but uh, they had this little area that was it was kind of uh, I I would say it was more of like a rhythm okay. section where you would you would hit these kind of sharp they were probably three or four foot tall and they were sharp um faced type jumps mm -hmm. and what the and and because they you know back in that day they were still trying to figure out how to make tracks and stuff and they used these uh telephone poles yes um and they would lay them on the ground and put dirt on it to substantiate the base of it and 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 Basically, the dirt would deteriorate very quickly, and so the face that you would see the face of these poles, mm -hmm. and it was it was in an area where they had these little chicanes and little switchbacks, and you'd come out of these things and and be on throttle, and then you would you would be accelerating up to these, and then you would you would let off the throttle and then pop the throttle, and and pop over these yeah. and kind of yeah. like a rhythm. Yep. And, and, you know, just going rock, something like that. And um, my, uh, I, I must have hit like a, um, I must have hit like a, like a pothole or okay. something there. And I, it, 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 it made me um, buckle a little bit. And I kind of, what they call whiskey, you know, you guys yeah. call whiskey throttle now. And I whiskey throttled just enough to where I didn't let off right at the base of this thing. And so my back wheel um, preloaded and and just re rebounded up and over, and I <laughs> yeah. never. It was all t bad timing, yeah. basically, is what it amounted to. And you know, one of the reasons um, back in that day, we always we the, the mechanics would would take these the springs and the carburetors are associated with the throttle, yeah. like the tension in the throttle, and they would file the, the diameter of the spring down one way, yeah. and then they would cut and stretch it out. And, yep. and the throttles were, it was for the purpose of being able to, you know, quickly rev a bike and, you know, and and I think that was a contributing factor to why I got on the throttle inadvertently like that. But, yeah, it basically just preloaded, and I did the old... Yeah seat bounce before seat bouncing was even known about and up and over. <laughs> You're just like, oh, yeah, everyone's like, hey, check this thing out. You're like, yeah, thanks. Seen it. I'm good. Yeah, I mean, it's it was cool. I mean, I mean, it, you know, I, you know, everyone's had a moment like that. It raced at some point, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it was kind of funny how it kept coming up over the years. Yeah. 30 years later, it's still like someone, some people talk about it. I, I've even had a few people from Europe 
you know, show it on theirs and yeah, tag yeah. me. And it's like, where the hell did you get that, man? You're like, hey, Jody, thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Well, There's a guy named Steve. Steve Casper is the guy. I don't oh, know if yeah, he's I, around. I, I don't know yeah. who he is either, but I know the name, yeah. He shot it? Yeah, he caught a lot of guys. He was like a specialist. He's a pro. Dang <laughs> sadist. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you're um, it's interesting now. You know, obviously the sport is so much based in Florida right now with these riding compounds, and never yeah. mind, never uh-huh. mind Carmichael uh-huh. and Ferry and Tishner and uh-huh. and Florida had uh-huh. you know so many great motocrossers. But in your day, like Kenny Keelon, Steve Martin, yourself, uh-huh. it wasn't. It was all SoCal dudes all the time, and and yeah. you know you were one of the rare guys from Florida to to make a mark in the sport. But you would think. With all the open riding areas and all the everything going on, that Florida would have been a power forever in the sport, but it really wasn't. No, it really wasn't because I mean, all the tracks were were really none of the tracks on the national circuit. Uh, I mean, with the exception of Southwick. Yep. And and Southwick still had and, and you, I hear people like it, the guys commentating on the races today. They still talk about it and it was it's always been that way. It had a hard base under it. Yeah. Yep. So it was still, I mean, it was sandy, but it wasn't sandy like Cocoa Sandy. No, no, Kroom or whatever. Nah. No, no. Nah, nah, it was a different sand. And, and and really the bumps were a lot closer together, a lot more choppy. It was still very gnarly, but, um, and it gave us a moderate advantage, um, but not, not substantial. But all the tracks were hard packed. I mean, I was looking at some photos the other day of the old Hangtown. Yeah. And it is, it was freaking nasty compared yeah. to what they do today. I mean, I, I I grew to like that kind of riding, mm-hmm. and I wish in some cases that you know because it was it was really an art to learn how to ride that stuff, and it was those guys like you know RJ and Brock and man they just could see and you know it was they could see this line and it was it just. So, it was unbelievable, but all the tracks were hard packed. So, if you did, you spend or were you a bit of a sand specialist because of spending time at Croom and riding Coco and all this stuff? Or, well, I was always good in the sand. Yep. Um, but I was also, you know, I was no. When I turned pro, I, you know, there was a lot more. Fa- I, I had to adapt a little more than I than as an as I did as an amateur because I was riding out west down California since I was eight or nine years old on a regular basis. And so I, I was a decent hard pack rider. Um, it wasn't uncommon for me to go out and ride uh, and uh, and just and beat Rick Johnson on 80s and 100s back yeah. in, in his own tracks. And, and But for some reason, something changed in it and, and – I had to relearn how to ride that stuff for some reason. I don't really know what happened, um, but but yeah, yeah, I had to relearn. But I, I was a sand specialist, and then I, I evolved into you know a decent hard pack. My some of my best finishes were on hard pack tracks. Um, so were you rivals? Keelon's a little before you. Steve Martin's a little before you, or. Uh, Keelon's about a year older than me. Steve's okay. about three or four. Okay, so um, Keelon, you kind of like that was. If, I, I guess you were in California a lot, but Keelon would be another guy that you kind of cut your teeth with coming up. Well, I was a rival with Keelon when we got off minis. I was always, I was always like, not a. I mean, I was still a Florida guy, but I wasn't. I never yeah. raced that much locally, and and I was always out on at big races on on minis. Okay. So I, I wasn't around Florida. I, I mean, I, of course, I did race some races in Florida, uh, but I didn't. I didn't like. I wasn't like 
every week at the local races in Florida on a mini. And then I, as we got into big bikes, um, you know, there was less, you know, races to race in, for me in California as an amateur. So I, uh, I raced. Then I became rivals with Keelan and those guys uh, on big bikes. See, okay, like this is a little confusing because, yeah, I think I remember a magazine at some point that said you and RJ were like best buddies or RJ said that he hangs out with Mark Murphy or, or something this, like this in a magazine. But I'm always like, but he's a Florida guy. But sounds like you were a SoCal guy for a lot of years. Yeah, I mean, I grew up. I mean, I I was I raced RJ as we were rivals on minis our whole mini career, okay. and both of us really never raced the older class for very long um, in the minis. So we both went on the big bikes at an early age because we got tall. We got so tall. Um, but yeah, yeah, we grew up uh, as rivals, and and we were best buddies as as kids, and and then as you know, we we had we didn't see each other quite as often when we were in this little time between like our the fourteen or fifteen until mm-hmm. we turned pro. Okay, we turned pro the same year in nineteen eighty one, and then and then we were back, you know, spending a real lot of time. And as as time went, then I I actually lived with him and and we were teammates. Oh, and, okay, and did a, spent a lot of time together. So that so we were best buddies, and you still talk to him today? Um, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I speak to him. Yeah, oh. I speak to him. Um, you know, um, every few months. Um, oh, that's cool. So you're you're all Cajon yeah. zone, bro. You're all Cajon, Mark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a regular down there. So <laughs> I mean, I was I was you know I was there. I had my own car. I mean, it was RJ's car, but he had yeah, yeah. a really cool Volkswagen all souped up. And that was my machine to drive. So I was, I, I would come and go. Yeah. My, my, I had, my, I had actually friends in El Cajon. Oh, okay. That I would go hang with, and when he was, when RJ was doing something different, you know, oh. we would, you know, all of us would get together a lot. But there was a lot of times that I had my own friends there. Oh wow! So what about your parents? They were, I mean, obviously they brought you up. They got you into moto, moto racing and everything else. And at some point, they're yeah. cool with shipping you off to to SoCal. Well. My dad would travel with me, okay. Uh, but there was a few times that they would put me on a plane. I remember flying to actually. I think I, I you're in Vegas. I raced the Mini Mint, okay. In like 1977, my mom and dad put me on a plane by myself at like nine. Oh wow! And I flew yeah. flew there and raced the Mini Mint. Um, nine. So were you the the Ponca City disaster that I just kind of wrote about with Eddie Hicks. I guess that was you were pro by then, right? That was eighty one, eighty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What What happened back then is the NMA was the big. Uh, AMA was not as as uh, recognized as the pinnacle for for racing uh-huh. for minis. And so what 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 happened was we would race regionally you know all over the country different different you know i would be in the southeast region and the guys out in california have the region in the midwest and and then everyone would qualify in, into a to springfield missouri and that was okay. uh, where the finals were so that was where ponca city was uh, that was the ponca city right, before, before ponca city right, was right. around yeah yeah, and that was for several years in a row, and then it went to Ponca, and I was already gone by then. So, um, yeah. are you hanging out with Glover, and Glover and Dogger, and Burnworth, and all these guys, or is it kind of just you? Oh and yeah, 
Oh, no, I was fr- I was with them a lot. I mean, I I spent I was good friends. I mean, I've been good friends with Dogger for a long time. I mean, there was a time that Dogger didn't even know I was from Florida. He thought I was from California. <laughs> of course, yeah. that does sound like Ronnie, <laughs> yeah. right? Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, man, I didn't know you was from Florida. I thought you was always from here. It's like, dude, yeah. I mean, I mean, yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, but yeah, I was I was good buddies with all those guys, and and uh, Brock um, Brock was like the elder statesman. So yeah, yeah. He yeah, he was all like professional, way way more professional, and he probably he was looking at us like we were a bunch of idiots. Right. Yeah, he's a little bit older, right? Yeah, he's a little older. Yeah, he was yeah. he's a little older, but right. but he was always like the consummate professional. You yeah, know? yeah, probably just like he is today. I mean, he's just well kept and well, you know, he's, there's uh there's yeah. stories of of like dog uh, Glover told me or RJ told me like there's mm-hmm. only so many practice tracks in Alcajon and and. And they would go there to these practice tracks, and and they're riding. RJ's probably on Honda, and Glover's on Yamaha, and yeah. or whatever, vice versa, or, or I should say Dogger, whoever it is. And they're pounding out motos on this track, and they're not talking to each other, and then just load up and then just leave. And in El Cajon, two of the world's greatest racers at any time could be riding on the same track together. It's crazy. That's right. Yeah, it was it was weird. You know, when I think about it, I didn't think nothing of it right. because I was like, you know those guys just yeah. casual friendships yeah. to me. But yeah, it's I mean pretty pretty weird right. in that sense. Right. But but the truth of the matter is, I mean, Brock Brock was um, I mean he was always good to RJ. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But but they weren't. We didn't we didn't like Brock was he was like he was just a little bit. He was like he wasn't into the stuff we were in. Yeah, yeah. You know, right. We were silly kids, and you know he was just really a lot more professional and. Yeah. Yeah. And I yeah, and he was I just a lot that. more serious. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I remember uh, um we went we used to go there was a break between Hangtown. It was actually this time of year back back in this in our day that Hangtown was like now. Mhm. Like coming up like this time of year. And I remember after Hangtown there was always like a couple week break and we'd always go down to Lake Martinez down in Arizona. Um and uh Brock, all of us would go. Dogger, uh, yep. Burnworth, um, Terry Fowler, myself, um, RJ, and, and RJ and, and myself would stay in the trailer together, and uh-huh. the others would stay in theirs. And then Brock would have his guys. And and I remember Brock was like he, you know, there was just shenanigans going on. Of and course, Brock, I could right. just remember Brock looking at us like we're just a bunch of dumbasses, <laughs> idiots. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Bro- I imagine- and he was, yeah. you know, I, I've always liked Brock, but. You know, he's he could be a condescending son of a gun too. So. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so he he was, uh, in a sense, a little bit intimidating because of just his, yeah. his he was just you know he just had that way about him. Now, uh, being buddies with RJ and being a very fast amateur, you rode Yamahas for a long time, and we'll get into you yeah. riding a, you know, one entry in the vault on a Honda. But was it always uh, were you a Yamaha support guy all the way through amateurs and right into pros? I. Uh, yeah, pretty much so. I mean, I wrote a couple years. I wrote a Suzuki, some Suzukis for a little bit um, during the in the late seventies, and then I switched. I, I, Yamaha had a program. You probably heard about it through other folks talking about it. But um, they had like a they would pick like ten or twelve guys throughout mm-hmm. the whole country, and they would give them these support rides and and give them like. I don't know. In, in the beginning, it was like four or five bikes, and okay. you know, a certain amount of money and parts. 
and then and then as you evolved, you know, if you excelled, then they would increase different parts of that program. Um, and, and myself, um, I started out in 81 as a, like a support guy and, mm-hmm. and had, you know, just bikes and parts and stuff, paid all my expenses. And, and as time went, it evolved into where, you know, I was almost, I mean, I was, I had works. I mean, I, it was still production bikes, but I had yep. work suspension and motor work and, yeah, yeah. And they flew me to the races and stuff like that. Backdoor help or whatever, and here you go. Like, yeah, yeah. And you pit with those guys and everything? You kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I always had a truck and everything right in there. It was like six of us. Right. And and so I was was the only one that would have been um, not officially called a faction. A lot of... I would suspect some people that I raced with probably... Would not if they were going to give an award out for privateer. They probably thought I probably was unfairly yeah, yeah. a privateer, but um, because I did get a lot of perks that most of the yeah. privateer guys didn't get. I mean, they they paid all my entries and they flew, they I, I could fly to any race that I wanted to. They flew me, uh, took care of all my hotels and and gave me you know even when. Uh, you know, when Eric Eaton did so well that one year, um, I mean, I still, my bike was more factory than his bike. His bike was yep. still a lot of OEM compared to mine. Oh, interesting. Um, so you start, mm-hmm. you ride 125 motocross series in 81, mm-hmm. 82, your 250s. You, you really, you look at your results, you got eighth at Sunshine Speedway, your first top 10 in 82. That's the uh-huh. Sunshine Speedway, like outside of Tampa. Like yep. I've been there, like that place had a national. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. I, I did not know that. I, mean, I, I, I have no it's idea. It's only uh, about 10 miles from where I'm sitting right now. Uh, you'd have been stoked to get an eighth. That must have been awesome. Yeah. That was the year Kenny Keelan won. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, uh, it, you know, it was hot. And, uh, yep. yeah, that was, that was one of the, you know, where I started to get a little confidence. Mm-hmm. Um. Were you riding with RJ a lot back then? Like, did you? I mean, look, he was fast. You know, in '81, I think he won yeah. a moto at Carlsbad. '82, he dislocates mm-hmm. his hip. I mean, was it? No, '82, he almost wins a title. '83, he dislocates his hip. '84, he wins the Tivoli National title. Your buddies with him this whole time, and then of course he jumps to Honda and he becomes mm-hmm. the absolute best rider in the world for many years. Mm-hmm. Did you see that in him? Like hanging out with him at a young oh, yeah. age, and, and did you see yeah. that RJ could be, you know, the dude? Yeah. Yeah, you know, he always had flashes of that, even from the very beginning. Um, and he just, it was one of those things, he just, you know, he just would, you know, sometimes crash or yep, yep. mechanical or something. I mean, he should have won that championship in, uh, in 82. was it, 80, 82. 82, was yep. it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he should have won that championship. I mean, that bike compared, I mean, it was luck that he didn't win it. But yeah, he you know he he came right out of the gates, and he's always had this uh, mm-hmm. certain level of confidence to where, you know, it's it's an intangible that you just don't see very often. I mean, it'd be like, you know, um, one of the lights guys the first year they were a lights guy almost yeah. coming in and racing and 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 banging bars with Roxon. Yeah, no, I mean, absolutely. It was Bob Hanna back then, you know. I mean, no. Hanna was yep. like. A god, right, right. And RJ banged bars with him. I mean, he wasn't intimidated by Hannah at all. Wow, so never, yeah, never was. Yeah, so you're just like you're with this guy, and you're seeing him being so headstrong and and training and riding, and 
you know, I mean, I guess it's a little bit like my buddy JT would ride with Chad and Tortelli, and yeah. it would help him, you yeah. know, and he would get a little peek oh, behind yeah. the curtain of these incredible champions. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it It took me a little while, but, um, yeah, he, um, but, yeah, he was, he was amazing from the beginning. I mean, he had that, just the mind. Yeah. Um, he just always had that. I mean, <laughs> that's interesting, and, and right? That's, you know, you just don't see that very often. No, I mean, no. I mean, guys, guys today, I'm not knocking and what what goes on, but I mean, they they get these guys prepared a lot more than, than yeah. back. We were thrown to the wolves. Yeah, you know, that's for like, sure. I mean, imagine being 16 and you're lining up against oh yeah Anna Howerton, Barnett Duxton, Ward, yeah Barnett oh, Ward, yeah. Uh, look, mean, look at Dogger. He won a Supercross, 16 and almost 17, yeah. 16 and a half years old or something. He wins a 250 Supercross. You know, going away. Yeah. It uh, went like like there like it was like it was nothing. Yeah, did, did, were you yeah all... I mean it's just unheard of, and but that you know those guys and, and and really it's just like you know driving in free the freeway in California compared to driving on a country road. Mm-hmm. They're acclimated. I mean it was nothing for them because they were they was second nature because they were, um, you know they were just acclimated to each other, and so yeah. they weren't they didn't look at these guys that way. Even Dogger, I mean, he didn't. He was, he was dumb to the fact that these guys were right. like superstars. Were you guys oftentimes laughing at at Dogger and being like, "Look at this guy. He's not working. He's not training." I mean, did you kind of know what was going on back then? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're yeah. just like this. No, guy. it was. Yeah, he was a he was a full time playboy back then. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he, he would tell he would tell me he would he would drain his gas and go tell his dad he rode all day and he's, he's out of yeah. gas, you know. Yeah, he was a he was something, man. But you know, Ronnie was always a good dude. He was a, he was always fun to be around. Yep. But and and he wasn't like you know he had fears like like he was afraid someone's going to beat him up, but it wouldn't stop him from doing some of the stuff he did, which was <laughs> remarkable. I mean, it was some of the stuff I can remember. Like you know, it's like, dude, what are you doing? You know, you're gonna. This guy's gonna kill you. Right, right. But and he knew it. But yeah, he yeah. Just still did it. It's like some of the stuff, like out in the track. Like, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Back in those days, that Doggers knew that Johnson could kill him. Yeah, yeah. And he would, he would, you know, he would yeah. come in there and, and take him out. And then they had some beef over chicks at some point. It was. Just, oh yeah. Oh jeez. Oh yeah, man. Um, I'd have to. Yeah, I might have to tell you some of those stories in person. Yeah, please do. Please do. They sound, yeah, they sound pretty good. I think I'm coming to Vegas, so I might have to sit at the round table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Can, yeah, um, yeah. For yourself, so you ride, you jumped to four, uh, 500s in 84, and you uh-huh. finished fourth overall. Who's, whose uh-huh. idea back then is it for you to ride 500s? Who says to you, hey, Mark, uh, ride a 500, ride a, ride a YZ 490? Well, I thought that was going to be my my best way okay. to get the full factory ride. Mm-hmm. So I um, I had some success. Uh, the winter, I think it. I might I might be off on my dates, mm-hmm. but I I pretty sure I rode the Trans Cal series in nineteen the, the fall of nineteen eighty three. Okay, and it had success in that series. And and decided that, you know, I think that might be my my best way to to get yeah. to the highest level. Sure. So I think that's what made my decision. Yamaha didn't they they didn't really 
say anything or yeah. anything, but I felt like that would be my window of opportunity, the fast, fastest way for my window of opportunity, because I, I did really have some pretty good success in that Transcal series. Yeah, in 84, you got a f- couple of fifths, mm-hmm. a fourth, mm-hmm. another uh, another fifth in Vegas here. The, the, yeah. uh, there's yeah. actually six flags. Um, man, you were really close to knocking on the door of a podium. Did you have one that slipped through yeah. your grasp at some point? Do you remember? No, I mean, I, I, you know, I almost consider that, that it's talking about the Trans-Cal series. Yep. I mean, it was kind of like a national because all the factories were there. I mean, it was all the same guys. Sure. I mean, it really was. That was a year that the uh, uh, factories, be, um, uh, they didn't race the um, Trans-USA series. Yeah. So they they decided to race the Transcal at that time. And so it was like, that was the real series. And I, and I got a second in the moto. So I ended up getting fourth overall cause I crashed second moto, but I did get a, you know, a yeah. second in a moto that, that, that I felt like was reasonably equivalent to a national. So, so. you're on an air cooled YZ 490 Glover's the champion uh-huh. in 83. So uh-huh. he shows up back uh-huh. in the class with number one uh-huh. plate and then Honda puts Bailey on a, on a works Honda 500, and the Cowie 500 is no slouch with Brecker back then. Yeah. I think it was Brecker, and yeah, that's right. Uh, and you're on an air cooled YZ 490, Mark. Mm-hmm. Good yeah. job. But you, you didn't mind it, huh? Yeah. Nah, I mean, I really that you know. And again, I when I look back now and I think about how good Bailey's bike is, I didn't look at it that way. I, I don't know yeah. why. I don't. I don't recollect like showing up saying man it's like this guy's cheating um <laughs> he was you know trust, i really thought felt really. like that my bike was pretty darn good really okay yeah um, you, you gotta yeah, have you have yeah. to be like that i guess as a racer you have to be like that yeah i mean it really i mean it was you know it it was pretty good you know and i really right. didn't i've never you know i don't in my memory bank i don't remember like thinking about like i wish i was riding jojo you know a yeah. four, you know a, the honda which even the production I, the honda JoJo, was, yeah. even as a production bike was superior to the 490 but yeah. yeah i mean my bike was pretty good i mean i have to say that that they had the thing working pretty good so, i mean it's it's obvious that it was decent because there's no way rock could beat bailey on that bike right are you with, with it out of being decent yeah my true, bike was true. just like rocks are yeah exactly so um, you're getting close to what Brock's getting, or you're getting close to it, or same thing, or, or who, like who, who's doing the motors? Yeah, I mean, stuff? I mean, the motors were. I mean, I don't know exactly what it was inside, but if you looked at our bikes, they looked absolutely identical. Right. Like the if you looked at the suspension and the the, the everything, it was just like they do today, where everything's decaled out the same way. And right. Right. Same exhaust pipes. And, you know. He's, uh... Is John R. helping you out, too, if you need some help? The great John R. I worked with him at Yamaha. He was an awesome dude. Glover's yeah, mechanic. he's a great guy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were very, you know, they would, anything that, you know, that if we asked a question, they yep. were always forthcoming. Um, right, right. Yep. But, you know, like, you know, we had uh, a guy named Stig Peterson did all the suspension for Team Yamaha. Yeah. And, and so he would he would do all of our shocks and forks, and then, you know, if we were testing, and he would, and, so whether he was putting, you know, stuff that yep. was one off and rocks and you know more, who knows? I mean, yeah, he's yeah. very entitled to that. But, but I mean, I was I was getting 
second best. I mean, sure. uh, good enough to, well, you're fourth to be overall. better than everyone else. Yeah, you're fourth so. overall. So who you're mm-hmm. racing like mm-hmm. uh, Brecker, JoJo, um, yeah. um, Lyles maybe was in there then, or was maybe next year? Next year was Lyles. Yeah, um, Lyles was uh, eighty-five. I think. Yeah, he yeah. was in there in eighty-five. Yep. Yeah. Um, it got a little thicker in '85. The, the guys, there's a few more extra guys in there. For that are year. you are you killing it with contingency and salaries and bonuses and all that this year? Do you remember? I I got twelve thousand dollars a year from Yamaha for for like um, they they actually gave me twelve thousand to pay pay the mechanic. Oh okay, yep. They were and, like, and at yeah. that and so um, but I I qualified for their their regular contingency. And I ended up making about ninety to a hundred thousand. Nice that year. Back then, this yeah, is I did very this well. Is, yeah, you're killing it. This is great. yeah. All those years, I probably came close to you know that right. kind of money. I mean, that included you know money that I made overseas and stuff for yeah. show money and stuff, right. which wasn't like they get today. But I'd still get a thousand dollars a clip. Yep. For every race that I raced overseas. Uh, yeah. so what national number are you after eighty four? What are you? Uh, I could probably look at eighty four. I was number seventeen. Seventeen. Yep. Um, seventeen. So eighty five. Same thing. You're in five hundred class now. This is as much as we talk about Bailey's works Honda and mm-hmm. and, and just whooping the floor with Brock and and poor Brock and this mm-hmm. and that. One of the better, most underrated things that happened in motocross history is in eighty five. Glover beats Bailey. For the title in the 500s, uh, Bailey's on a on an all new bike now. I've been talking to Bailey and Dogger and all that. They said the 85s weren't awesome, but they still were pretty damn good, I'm sure. And Glover, before Bailey got hurt, Glover was working him. Um, full marks to Brock in 85 for for striking back on, on a YZ 490 versus Bailey. I, I I think that's a great story. Yeah, Brock was uh, that was a. He was a different dude that year. I mean, I always thought. Oh, you noticed it. Anyway, you you noticed it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I was just like he was like way more like he had he had that that edge, that extra edge. He almost didn't. He almost won Supercross that year. Yeah, that's the year that uh, they went to the final round down at the at the Pasadena. And uh, it was yeah. two-moto format, and yeah, Wardy won it, but then yeah. Wardy rode backwards on the track yeah. and, practice and all that. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, but that was the year Brock, I mean, even in, even besides that, he had, he killed it all year. I mean, yeah. he had – he was intense. Yeah. Um, And this is one that you may kick yourself for. So you're fourth overall in 84. You finished seventh in 85. Um, you look at your results. You had a couple of bad races in 85. Uh-huh. Um, but in 85, was Shugel, uh, Bailey jumps down to 250s. Um, Lachine jumped up to 250s to try to help Osho out against uh, Wardy in the 250 class. Uh-huh. The 125s and 500s were, were a free-for-all at Washougal, and this would be prime for you to pull off a win, Mark. You're one of the next yeah. next guys in the class. But Eric Eaton won. You went 5-5 for 6 that day. JoJo won one yeah. moto. Um, yeah. Ah, like, do you, what do you remember about that day? That could have been yours. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was that was probably my best opportunity. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't really far away from them. And I remember that we were all reasonably close, but it was just, yeah, yeah. I, that was the, I, I mean, it was something we thought I thought about coming into that race. For that, sure. And I yeah. heard that that was what was going on. I said, well, yeah, might have me a, a shot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I will tell you that Jojo was really, really killing it at that time of the year Yep. in that, in that year. So he was 
I knew that he would be a very formidable guy he, because he was really getting it on. I got a video from Gary Bailey of Millville in 85. And mm-hmm. and he, Glover's out with a wrist, I think. Or Glover already, no, maybe, no, Bailey was already out with a wrist. Glover was there. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. dude, JoJo is working everybody in the first moto until he gets a flat with, like, two laps to go. He's gone. JoJo is gone. And uh, this includes all everybody. <laughs> he's on a production bike, right? He's a privateer. JoJo Keller could have done it. Yeah, yeah, I mean he. Um, I didn't. I didn't really know he was killing him. I just knew he was doing. I mean, I mean, yeah. I, I didn't remember. Um, you know, I was in the race. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, 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 yeah. I knew. I mean, I just knew those at that point of that year that he was really coming into his own again. Yeah, uh, JoJo. JoJo was a very. Uh, you know, he was one of those when things were going well. He was he was very good. Tough to and beat when things weren't. Right. Yeah, it was amazing his roller. You know, different up and downs. Yep. But tremendous athlete. Eighty six comes and you are still on Yamahas. They're they're much better. Mm-hmm. But now it's mm-hmm. that split year where six races two fifties, six mm-hmm. races of five hundreds. Mm-hmm. You're doing more Supercross in eighty six than you've done too. Um, mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. then uh, is there a reason for that? Uh, well, the, I was doing them. I just probably wasn't qualifying for mains because I was not. I was. Yeah. W- I broke my ankle in the in Daytona in nineteen eighty three. I think the year before yeah, you did your Superman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I sat out most of the year uh, that year, but and so I finally healed up. Fast forward to nineteen eighty five. And I made the. I went to San Diego, made the main of the first race in San Diego, did decent. And then I got injured. I injured that bad foot the day, like two days before the next race, which was Anaheim. And so I had to sit out like four or five races. And my foot was it. The injury that I had, it, uh-huh. I developed some bone spurs in my, and I was having a hard time um, shifting without sliding my butt back on the seat. And so it was, I was having a hard time getting starts. So in Supercross, if, if you didn't get a start and, yeah. and you weren't RJ or Wardy or Brock, then, you know, it was a tall order to, to, to make the main. So that I was probably there. I just didn't make the main. Right. Um, um, so, so I had surgery. I had, okay. I had surgery in between 85 and 86. And and that's what uh, I had missed the first five races because my recovery was kind of slow. Yep. Um, and and then I was, but I was able to start better. So I had I I started to evolve into Supercross, and and it was because I was getting better starts, and I was learning how to do it too. Yeah, and you're riding with RJ still, right? Yeah. That's still all yeah. going on. Yeah. 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 What are you, are you yeah. wearing? So I, and, and are you wearing Malcolm Smith? Are you wearing Malcolm Smith this whole time? What are you wearing for gear? I was a Malcolm Smith guy. Uh, yeah. Mike Bell hooked me up with Malcolm when he was he was kind of uh, getting ready to retire. Yeah, and so I he he kind of helped me out on a lot of stuff. Mike was a good good to me when I was younger, oh, and uh, he hooked me up over there at Malcolm Smith, and then I became one of their guys over there for '84 all through the rest of my career. Uh, Mark Murphy on the uh, Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxis and Alpine Star Protects. We thanks those guys. FlyRacing.com. Please check them out. Uh, we'll be right back after this commercial. Uh, listen to this commercial to learn how to save at Racetech. Uh, use the code PulpMX18 to save with those guys. And we'll be right back with more Mark Murphy. Racetech suspension and engines, people. PulpMX18 is the code to save. 
Breaking through the limitations of OEM designs, Racetech specializing in high-performance suspension, parts, service, and setups, modifying stock suspension components to perform at the highest level. Discover why more top privateers trust Racetech, guys like the HEP Suzuki team, and many more in the pits use Racetech for their suspension and engines mods. Popomex 18, you can save using the code. Please check them out, Racetech.com. Do it. Maxxis Tires. From your bike to your truck and almost everything with wheels in between, Maxxis Tires will have you hooking up, pulling the whole shot, and beating your competition. One of the world's most trusted tire brands, Maxxis delivers high-quality tire products that perform no matter what the terrain or conditions. If you don't believe me, just ask the king, Jeremy McGrath. Yeah, we're back. FlyRacing.com, everybody. Please check them out on the web. Thanks to Maxxis Tires. The MXST is coming out soon, as well as Alpine Star Protects. Uh, did you ever use Alpine Star, Mark? Might have used them back in the day. Or, did you? I think they were making boots for Malcolm yeah, back they, then. They probably yeah, so were. They were all Alpine Stars, yeah. Um, they th- were. Thanks to, uh-huh. uh, yeah, they've been around forever. Thanks to those guys for all supporting us. Mark Murphy on the line. So in 86, the bone spurs are good. You're feeling better. Uh, ninth mm-hmm. in 250 motocross, and this is mm-hmm. a stack field. This is you know everybody mm-hmm. combined. Mm-hmm. So um, you have 86. You got RJ and Wardy and O'Mara and Dogger and mm-hmm. and Hannah for a little bit, and jeez, uh, just about everybody. And um, you get ninth overall in 250s and tenth overall in fo- in 500s. That's a good year, man. You gotta be stoked. Who would ever thought I'd do better in 250s and 500s? I know, right? Oh, by the way, yeah. my buddy Rollerball, also very good in 86. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. Uh, Jim yeah. Holly, Jim Holly, also. Um, yeah. Who you you just saw Jim Holly, right? He went to Tampa and hung out with you. Yeah. 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 Jim's. Have, yeah, he was with me at Yamaha those in those years, and and I've been. He was one of my closest friends through my whole life. I've known Jim probably as long as I've known anyone. He's uh, um, probably on the same yeah. level of you just in 250s, right? Like kind of that next, right below a factory dude, you know? Like, yeah. yeah. Jim, uh, I would say, if the truth be known, I had more talent, but Jim had more grit. Um, right. He had an ability to raise the level because of his, his uh, personality. He yeah. just was very, you know, he didn't. Like I, I would be pushed a little bit more out of the way than than he sure, would. He yeah. was a much much more intense guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he was a, he was a good rider. I think eighty six was full factory for for that year. I think he was. Yeah, he was. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. So ninth overall in two fifties, uh, five tenth overall in five hundreds. Um, good year, right? You got to be happy. This might yeah. be your best year. Yeah. yeah. That was my best year. Yeah. Um, any offers at the end of the year? Yamaha wanted to keep you, or what? What was the deal? Because you only they, have... they offered to keep me on this exact same program, okay. um, with the exception that a bonus system would would if I did exactly the same, I would make about forty percent less. I would only make excuse me forty percent of what I made previous. Oh, okay. The, the whole year, uh, Johnson was in my ear, um, yep. telling me how good the which of course <laughs> I could see that the bike was right. good, but the Honda, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you you know we would show up at like. Um, I can remember being, we would some, you know, back east. He would, we would somehow show up at the same track, and I remember him showing me like, you know, saying, "Man, this thing here," yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> talking yeah. a little more off the record, and 
and how good that bike was. And, and he's then, the man uh, in '86. Like he he took yeah. it to a new level, you know. Yeah, yeah, that that bike was solid. But yeah, so he uh, he was in my ear trying to get me to uh, switch. He said it was an equalizer for him. So I uh, I ended up going to Australia and racing and was contemplating whether what I was going to do, stay back with Yamaha or well, you were um, this is after, the, do after, something. after the season, you're on a Yamaha still in Australia or what do you, what yeah, do you yeah. yeah, I rode, yeah. I rode Yamaha because what the deal was until your contract was up, anytime you rode overseas, you had to ride the same brand of bike. Okay. So whatever promoter you rode for, they would, yeah. they would hire the importer for the, the brand and, and, and that's what you would ride and you'd bring your suspension over and your handlebars and, pipe yep. and ride basically you know a oem bike yeah okay so your fall of 86 you're thinking about what to do yeah so i'm thinking you know i'm i'm leaning toward uh oh during the australia trip i was i was staying with jeff leask oh yeah okay and and leask had it was 86 and he had uh he was still on Honda, but he had yep. signed with Yamaha. Yeah, he was a factory guy. And yeah. So he had signed with Yamaha for the 125 class. and But he got that 87 Honda while we was in Australia. Uh-huh. And I got, to, I got to look at that thing really up close and ride it. And, uh-huh. and, uh, You're like, oh, boy, this I, is good. I decided. <laughs> and, so, and so what the deal was with Honda was that Johnson was kind of wanting to form, like, Maybe a, a ride for him and oh, him okay. use it as a tax shelter. Oh, nice, and, nice, good job, RJ. And then along with Honda helping, like with the bikes and the parts, yeah, and a lot of that stuff. And so basically, we we came to an agreement to where I would ride. Um, that's what was going to happen with, in my mind, with the thought of maybe it being a stepping stone to being on the big team. Yeah. And so the, what what we agreed on. We didn't contract it out, but we agreed, print on, you know, a verbal that that they would supply me with the bikes and, and Pro Circuit would build the motors, mm-hmm. um, and then Rick would bonus me out, similar to the bonus plan that um, that I was getting with Yamaha okay. the year previous. Yeah, and, and a lot of the stuff was going back and forth because my dad was best friends with Rick's dad. Okay, so. Um, so, so that was what was, and, and at the time that, you know, Rick's parents were, you know, directly involved with, you know, everything he was going, uh-huh. you know, doing. Yep. And so they were probably, it probably wasn't so much Rick's idea, not that he was against it, but it was probably my dad and his dad's idea. Yeah. And so it, it was, a sounded like a good plan. And, uh, so, so what we decided to go ahead and go for it. And and when I got back from Australia, um, they sent me two Hondas and started riding them and yep. absolutely loved them. Yeah, they're great. Yep, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was like, wow, man, this thing <laughs> felt so tall through. One of the things with the Yamahas, it always felt like like the compression dampening, and I felt like they rode very, you know, there was they wouldn't stay as tall in the stroke when you'd hit really sharp, hard okay. edged stuff. Whereas the Honda felt much more like you could hit something really steep and you would stay, you, you, you wouldn't case it as well yeah. as much. Yeah. And so I felt like I was taller in the bike. Um, so you wouldn't have these like strikes as much. Um, 
And so I felt really good right out of the gate on the bike, and it just felt so good. And um, got the got the motor done. You know, they gave me a motor from yeah. you know Pro Circuit, and I think back in those days we would they would just send us cylinders and, and yeah. stuff and pipes. And, there was and a, then the suspension. There was a bunch of guys on Hondas suspension. in '87. There's like Fred Andrews, Jeff Hicks, yourself. Uh-huh. There was these. Yeah. Level of guys riding Hondas all mm-hmm. for PC stuff. Mm-hmm. Like uh, Mitch was mm-hmm. making his name with that. Yeah, yeah. Well, the PC did all the pipes for the two for my two fifties in eighty six on the Yamaha. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Jim and like Brock and them, they had we. I had a works pipe um, on my four ninety, but the PC did all my stuff for the for the two fifty. Uh huh. Um, and then I think Brock and like Jim and Storbeck and. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know who else was there, but um, I think at Bowen. Um, oh yeah, Bowen. Yeah. They they had the choice of using the factory pipe or the pro circuit, and in some cases that even I remember some of them using the pro circuit pipe on the 250. So anyway, uh, pro circuit was had already started with us the year previous, and and I I think that in '87 that I think PC even had some of their pipes on Johnson and uh, yeah. Or, uh, Johnson's bike. Yeah. Whereas before they were HRC pipes. Yeah, it was a real, real break yeah. for Mitch to have those guys do it. Yeah. RJ was the one. And who they, their like, stuff yeah. was not. I mean, the pipes were made of. They were nice. Yeah, yeah. it was a big. Um, Bailey liked the work stuff, and Cliff White mm-hmm. liked the work stuff, and mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Lunas and, and RJ were like, no, the pro circuit stuff's better. And it was a big political yeah. thing, of course, you know. But I can remember that. Yeah, it yeah. was like yeah, that um, was in '86. So okay, yeah. so yeah. you're all set for Honda yeah. in '87. So. Yeah. What happens? You get hurt or what? Because you have one race. So <laughs> what so happens? Um, I start out riding, and uh, and I the, the series was uh, back in those days. The the first Supercross started in like uh, if I recall like mid February. It wasn't early like January first, like the first week in January back then. Mm-hmm. As time went, it was starting to get closer to the new year, but. But it was still a month away, so we rode a winter am race, yeah. and and some of the guys in California would ride uh, the Golden State Series, and so I went decided to go ahead and and go down and ride this at Gatorback, the first race of the winter am, and I was, uh, you know, I was killing it uh-huh. practice, and the last lap of practice, there's this there's this kind of ramp type jump that I described earlier about like a Daytona. It was kind of a steep base on it when you and you would carry a lot of momentum up to it. Mm-hmm. In this case, in Gatorback, it was uh, much more momentum than at the Daytona race. Yeah. Um, and and they had wa- it was either it rained the night before they had watered the track pretty mm-hmm. heavily to to maintain it, and it developed some some ruts at the base of the jump, and it was kind of mucky there. And I came through, and I would let off, you know, you'd coast for just an instant uh-huh. and then throttle and yeah. pop over pop. this yeah. ramp-type jump. You just couldn't hit it wide open because you would preload, and then the next thing you know, do the same thing we talked about, yeah. crash at Daytona. Right. But so so I, it stalled on me like a false, you know, it's, it, it stalled just uh-huh. for an instant. And it, and it preloaded, and I went end over end, but at much higher speed than the Daytona one. And it knocked me. I mean, it was very, it was, a very bad get off. Yes. And so I wasn't able to race. So I just, you know, at that point, in my life racing. I mean, the winter am was not like that important. Yeah. So, you know, it was a practice race for me. Uh-huh. So 
I I decided to just you know take a day off and go back to the drawing board. <laughs> and co- coincidentally, that same day is the day that Bailey crashed at the tr- in Lake Huron and got paralyzed. Wow! And, uh, yeah. And that kind of that kind of got in my head a little bit. So I I went from really loving the bike. Yeah, on top like, of the world, getting Honda support. Right. Yeah. 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 Not feeling comfortable at all. Yeah. And so, you know, it's like it was it's, it was like a weird phenomenon. It's like how do you how does that even happen? So yeah, like so mean, I'm like trying Bailey. to work yeah, like through Bailey. it. You mean I'm Bailey? Just not Bailey comfortable. And, Bailey crashing was a weird phenomenon. Like how does that happen? Like that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah, right. Yeah, just the whole feeling that yeah. I, it, like like my whole uh, what I what I was looking through my eyes. I just uh-huh. felt. It was a weird. It was just. It just all of a sudden, I was awkward. Yeah. And and I think fear. I was. I was probably got a little fear in me, and because uh, of the crash. And you know, it's just just removed from. I probably should have tried to work through it. But um, so anyhow, long story short, is now all of a sudden I go from loving the spike, feeling like man, I'm going to be. I'm, uh, this is a good thing that I've done here. Yeah. Um, now all of a sudden I'm uncomfortable on the bike. And so it's coming time to go to Anaheim for the first Supercross. And so my mechanic, my bike's out there. Yeah, and your ankle's good or whatever? Everything's all good? Everything's right? good yeah. on yeah. that, yeah. Right. I'm, no issues there. Um, but I'm just like not – I mean, I've lost every bit of confidence that I'd had. I was like – Crazy. Had like no, I just lost my momentum. It was a weird thing. Um, and so I'm on my way to the airport. And uh, I I didn't show up at the airport. I just turned around and went home. Wow! It's just missed my flight and told yeah. him I was injured. Jeez, you know, I can't remember who it was, but I I've done some pod. I did pods with another couple guys from your era, and Bailey shook them up too. I can't remember who it is off the top of my yeah. head, but Bailey yeah. getting hurt really shook them up. They're just like, wow, that's you know, yeah. maybe it was Bowen or I don't remember who it was, but someone was like, boy, it. it it was amazing, and so you just you didn't well, go, you just didn't show. Yeah, I just did the old no show, and it was you know I can't even you know it, the war everything seemed so intense at the time. I didn't even think about like what it was going to look like in the eyes of like what people were thinking. It's like, yeah. dude, you just don't like <laughs> this opportunity. You just don't like not show, right? You know, it's like, and that wasn't so that wasn't my style anyway you know it was yeah. a pretty ballsy move really <laughs> like really so did you like the next week same thing you just just that so it. yeah i stayed back and just you know and and tried to get myself together and then you know it, wow. you know days turn into weeks and next thing is round five and they so so honda comes down and they were very like I was probably dumb to the like whether they were really thinking I was like some stupid ass or yeah, whatever, but right. yeah, but I I never I never felt like they thought that, but it's probably just I, they probably did, but I was like naive to it, which which doesn't seem like like why would I not think that they would be pissed? Yeah. Like I don't know, but I think I was just so like uncomfortable. That I didn't even care. I don't know. Yeah, but um. so, so they come down to Florida, and like they're the, the Coster and everyone comes down to my 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 house, 
and and they're going to work with me on the bike. Yep. So that's what kind of deal it was. I mean, I had the yeah, yeah. I had DeCoster and everyone there, and 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 Roger told me that that RJ had a similar problem of what I was complaining about. Okay. Um, and and I don't understand why I didn't exp- that I I was totally comfortable at the beginning when I think uh-huh. about it, but <laughs> I was I was riding a little too forward on the bike, and I was I it just you know any anyway I don't remember what the manifestation of me doing that. So they what they did on RJ's bike, the way the pegs were back then, they had a little offset, and they offset it forward, the peg. Uh-huh. It came out the frame, and then there was a little L, and then the, the peg would. They had, to, they had to bring straight pegs out for RJ. Okay. When, when he struggled when he first got on the Honda, which I didn't. Yeah. But, um, and then they, so they put, they, they did that for me, and it seemed to help me. Um. And so then we went to Gain. The next race was Gainesville, the national. And so I went to Gainesville and uh, didn't didn't do as well yeah. um, from for where I should have been uh, based on you know yeah your uh, your previous yeah sixteen and then no no points in the second moto yeah yeah I crashed and you know it's like when you're when you're not doing right and you're not doing good it's like weird crap happens sure. happens to you yep. And and what happened to me is I I got dirt inside my goggles and okay. I got dirt in my eye and I couldn't get it and it was like so bad that I couldn't ride. I've never had anything like that yeah. happen in my life yeah, right. before or since. Yeah, and it's like how does that kind of stuff happen? That's weird. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, and I'm like, yeah, this is weird crap that's going on here. So and so that was it for the during 87? that. Yeah. What? So this was this was early '87. Yeah. And and so during that time, um, when all this was going on, behind the scenes, I was being approached by Yamaha um, because even though I had I had decided not to go back with them, yeah. I still had a very good relationship with some of the guys. Mm-hmm. And you spoke about Kenny Keelan earlier. Kenny Keelan was racing in Brazil. He had he had kind of moved on from racing in the states, and he was racing down in Brazil at the time, and. Um, he uh, he broke his wrist, and he was going to be out for the whole season. So Yamaha needed a guy down there. And I don't know why they called me, because as far as they knew, that I was already contracted to ride on the Honda. Yeah, you were Johnson done. And, right, guys. Yeah. and it's like, but, and I really don't, I never even put it together why they would even call me. Like, you know, like, but, but, the, but Clark Jones started calling me, and he said, hey, you got this deal down there if you want to do it. Um. And and I said, you know, I was so unhappy with where I was at. I was like, God, man, I need to, yeah, I need to, I need to, I need a free pass. So I was it good I decided money? to take was, the was deal. It, was it good money? Do you remember it was? It was yeah, it was a, I was going to get forty thousand salary, oh, nice. and then all the money I could make down there for eight or nine months. Right, right. And then uh, all the housing, all the housing's paid for, and all the expenses, yeah. and so it's like I could go down there and make equivalent to what i made the year before and but i i could i didn't have to pay for anywhere to live yeah 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 so i i I decided to go for it and at the time with thing with johnson them i was was, uh, still on a handshake even though they were doing everything like it was like we were under contract yep so 
so it was like everything they said they were going to do, they were doing. I was the only one not doing. Yeah, well, you, what, what I was, what I was supposed to do. And then, and then you're like, so, later, later, I'm going to Brazil. Later. <laughs> yeah, and 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 really, it was you know, it was surprising how how well, and it, and it's never. I mean, I don't. I mean, I don't think it has ever hurt our friendship. Um, to this day, we're still, you know. Um, but he took it like a grain of salt, no problem, and. I'm sure DeCoster probably thought, I mean, this guy's Yeah, no, nuts. exactly right. Yeah. You know, yeah. But I've talked to Roger since. He's been nice to me. So, right. I mean, he's just some dumb kid. So, time, you know. How was Brazil? So, I, so I'm, I'm contract, I'm, I'm verbally agreed to go. And so we, we do Daytona the next race on the Honda, race that race. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to go to Brazil like the next week. And so we had already got our visas and I had just bought a house. I, yeah, you know, I, I put it up for rent or something. Yeah, and uh, so we're supposed to leave like on that Wednesday after Daytona, and we had already like did interviews with Brazilian, you know, papers yeah. or magazines um, at is Daytona. This, is this Rodney Smith era, right before Rodney? Or yeah, Rod- of, Rodney yeah. was the he was going to be. Yeah. Uh, I think he. I don't remember if he was on Yamaha or Suzuki. I think he was on. He was he was down there at the same time as Keelan, so he would have been my formidable opponent. And uh, so we're we're you know we don't have anything signed, but we're you know everything's yeah. agreed on, and yep. you know we're thinking you know in, in what I know now, it's like I wouldn't I wouldn't <laughs> do anything without a signature. It's like I got uh, you know I do business all the time. It's like did you get right. the signature on that? Did you get the signature? It's like what was you know like doing all like why would I even Accept bikes from Johnson without a contract. <laughs> right, right, At least, right. a, you know, you know, yeah, crazy, right? But, when you but, look back on it, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm, wow, I'm, I'm doing it again right here. So <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm mortgaging the farm to go to Brazil. I don't even have anything signed, uh, and the deal falls through. So behind, at, so like, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, this yeah. whole time. The Brazilian importer had been reaching out to Danny Storbeck. Okay, who was with us at Yamaha the year before. Now he's on Honda in '87. He's on Hondas. Yeah. Um, was he? Yeah, yeah, he was. Did he yeah. ride Gatorback? Uh, I don't know if he rode Gatorback, but he was he was on Hondas in '87 after after Yamaha dropped him. Okay. So well, anyway, yeah. So he he only rode the first part of the year, so he ended up. So what happened was the way it works, and at least at that time, Japan. Um, he did ride Gatorback. He did ride Gatorback. He went twenty-two fifteen on a Honda. Storeback. Yeah, yeah. It is bad as me. <laughs> Anyways, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So so anyhow, uh, Danny uh, was not through Clark Jones or anyone who I was dealing with, but so. The way it was working is the Brazilian importer was supposed to take care of all the housing, the mechanics, and the bikes. Japan was going to pay the salary, the 40000 That's how it worked. And so Brazil, the, the Brazilian importer, really had their hearts set on Danny Storbeck. I had no idea that this was even yeah, a thought. Yeah. yeah, you're just like, I got a deal. I'm, yeah. I'm good. And, and yeah. so Japan didn't, didn't agree with that. So they pulled out as far as the financial part. And... Storbeck went over there. They ended up signing him, and I and I was, you know, I didn't go. 
I was, you know, last minute deal. And uh, Storbeck went over there and actually never got paid. He may have got oh, paid something, but he yeah, didn't get yeah. paid what he was supposed to, and ended yeah. up leaving midway through the season. Oh, so, it was so the whole sh- deal fell apart. It was a shady deal, anyways. Yeah. So now, Keelan had been there for a couple years, and, yeah, and Rodney, I had talked to him. Rodney killed it, was it too. A solid deal. Yeah, and Rodney yeah. killed it too for sure. You know, yeah. I did yeah. a podcast with Rodney. He talked about living on a mansion on a hill or something. It was like insane yeah. lifestyle he was living. Um, yeah, that's what it sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Was that it so, for Mark so now Murphy? I'm in no man's yeah. land. What now? I've, I've burned every bridge that you can burn. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I go from, like, my best season ever, like, on the doorstep, you know. I could have went two ways and probably would have been, you know, I could have stayed with Yamaha and probably did well. Just got to work, didn't work through it, you know. And, yeah. Or I could have. Kept on with on and work, grinded through it, and probably two months. I'd been laughing about my yeah. what I had done. What had happened? Yeah, but, yeah. Wow. If Bailey doesn't get hurt, and you don't crash at Gainesville. Who knows what happens? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, I definitely, I felt good, man, on that bike. I mean, so it was, you yeah. just you hung yeah. it up, or like what'd you do? You raced in Europe a little so bit? I, yeah. Yeah, it's about – I mean, I didn't want to spend my money. Yeah. And, you know, I was just beat up. I was kind of – I hate to use the word I was beat up emotionally, but I guess I was. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I wasn't very strong, that's for sure. What? Uh, yeah. you, where'd you go in Europe? What'd you race in Europe? Um, I did um, – I did the Swedish – I did the, the, Swede, the Supercross in Sweden. I've done um, – I did the Dutch Supercross. I raced several. Um, they were those hard cross ones with the wood jumps. I did those in Germany you, you and all those, over huh? the Netherlands. Wow. Yeah, I was over there with uh, AJ Whiting, JoJo, and me roomed together for a month. Oh in, boy, in the Netherlands. How was that? Yeah. How was that rooming with JoJo? Man, it was awesome. <laughs> we were. Yeah, it was like the odd couple. Uh, Joe, I love JoJo. He texts me every now and then. I can't believe that JoJo Keller texts me every now and then. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's a good dude. That 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 guy. He, we had some really fun times, man. We were like, he turned me on to eating mussels over there. Oh yeah. And we played darts because <laughs> we were like, we it was like, we we only had to be responsible on the weekends and the right. weekday. We were like right. total Just, whatever we wanted to do, and oh. we were like, like it was nuts. Just and, and JoJo was. He was well seasoned. Oh yeah, yeah. Jojo knows yeah. how to have a good time, right? Um, yeah, no, he he taught me a lot about the that <laughs> side. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, did you ever do any yeah. GPS? Did you think because with your motocross results, always they're pretty, they're a lot stronger than your supercross results. Did you ever yeah. think about doing GPS or trying to do anything? You know, again, if I if I knew then what I know now, I would have tried to do GPS. But I mean, I raced. I mean, I think I did three or four Unidil GPS, did and you? I always yeah. did good. Yeah, you, you, I, I, I always was. I mean, I always top ten in at least one moto. Right, right. Yeah, because yeah. you know, but you look at your results. I did good, especially back then when yeah. the big bikes were still on vogue and everything. You know, and people loved the, yeah. the five hundreds. Like you could have done, you could have done really yeah. well. So, you know, you know what's weird about my career is, you know, it's. It's like I always, no matter who I was racing against, I always did decent. Yeah. But I, but if like in a lighter situation, like maybe that that Washougal National, I kind of played into the level of the competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? You know who's like that so now? Is like, is Tickle is like that now? 
Tickle, yeah. Tickle yeah. like, if everyone's out injured, he's getting seventh. And if everyone's stack field, he's still getting seventh. You know, there you uh, go. Yeah, it's really weird. Yeah, it's a similar thing. If you, And that's kind of, you know, it's like, you know, I mean, you would have thought that, you know, dude, you can't, you can't, can't get better than yeah. two fifths with, with those guys out. And, right. Yeah. No, you look at the guys. You know, it's yeah. like, man, oh. what was, um, but yeah, what but I the, never did. I never like, you know, I never really got like 18th and stuff, you know, no. I was always reasonably up there no matter what I was in, you know? Yeah. But now I'm glad we did this. Cause now yeah. I know the, the, the reasoning behind the, RJ and Mark Murphy connection, which I could never figure out because you're from Florida, but now I know. Yeah. Uh, what? Uh, give me your best Jim Hawley story. What do you? Okay. What one you can share? Well, like, again, well, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely when I see you, I'll definitely tell right. you some really good ones. But right. They, they're, right. They're, right. But yeah, yeah. But uh, so one of the best ones was, um, and you know, Jim being the the personable fellow yes. that he is. Yes, he is. And he's, yes. You know, he gets along really well with many. <laughs> um, yeah. So I've back in those days, uh, Yamaha, um, or excuse me, um, Jim flew out after the Washougal national. Okay. And he had, he had talked me into coming to his house. It was late in the year. Uh-huh. And, so things were winding down. We had like three races left, two or th- I think no, two races left. And so instead of like a lot of times when we were late in the season, we'd stay on the road yep. and, and kind of just kind of journey through the last few races because yeah, yeah. they were, you know, they were like weird places where you, you know, it was more convenient to kind of go ride somewhere mm-hmm. like close to the area. Um, but in this case, Jim, I, I think I remember that. Jim was going to have a party at his house, and so he talked me into Shocker. coming. Shocking, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he's going to have a big party, a big pool party at his house. Um, and and so he flew out. He had a red eye. He flew out on the same day of the race. He left uh, Minnesota on a Sunday, and then I, my flight was on Monday. So Jim picks me up from the airport, and we're driving back toward his house. And everywhere Jim went, Jim would try to pick some chick up of course and, I mean, right. he was yes this is always not... trying to do it right i mean i didn't care i don't care where it was at it was like oh st- when he wasn't trying he was trying flight attendant stories he's got a few of those he's got he's got hotel front desk worker stories jim it's got a lot of those it, it's some yeah. of the stuff is unbelievable but i can tell you right now it's it's true jim always tells the truth right right always always <laughs> and 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 so so it was just one of the finest times that I ever saw Jim get rejected. Jim, so Jim comes, he's trying to pick this chick up at the store, convenience store. Okay. Stop for some reason. Yep. And this little girl is totally, totally blowing him off. And it doesn't, Jim's feelings aren't hurt. You know, he's yeah, solid. Right. So he comes in and he goes, you know, you just got to try. I don't remember exactly what he said. In so many words, that's what he said. So I'm thinking, you know, I'm smiling. I'm saying, finally, this guy gets freaking rejected. Yeah, both time. Right. So I'm thinking, yeah, yeah. I said, this is a highlight for me. <laughs> finally, Jimmy freaking brought down a notch. So we drive to his house, go on about the week. For some reason, I I don't remember if he let me borrow his truck or his car. And I went somewhere, met someone, and came back. And lo and behold, I come in, I pull into his driveway, I'm walking up to his front door, 
And the same chick that blew him off at the store is walking out his door. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was actually almost, you know, I know it's not uh, it's a sin to envy, but I was uh, almost like pissed at him because yeah. he, he really did succeed. Oh, he's he probably, yeah, he, he probably got him more determined, right? Yeah, yeah. he had to. Have. Uh, I'm saying to myself, how in the world, L.A. is very big. How I know right. she didn't give his freaking phone number, her phone number to him. Yeah. So how did he get his phone number? <laughs> that's or awesome. her phone number. Right. And oh, so, and then, and then I had to walk in and, 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 you know. Yeah. Then I had to face Jim. Yes. Because you've been saying, and, and hey. Jim is yeah. like, and he's just got that shit-eating grin on his face. Right. <laughs> yeah. He didn't even have to say anything. No. I just shake my head. No. Um. So, so one more part oh, yeah. of the story. So yeah. that party. So he's ha- he has this party, and a bunch of us are over there. A bunch of the, you know, a bunch of the Valley Boys yeah. from the, that that neck of the woods, and we're all hamming it up, jumping off his roof in his pool. And Omera comes over, uh-huh. and Omera's like, you know, he's Osho has always been nice to me, but yeah. you know, he's like the he's like like I was speaking about Brock. He's like yeah. a level of seriousness right, more than us. Right, right. Know, we're serious, but he's classy. Like really, he's classy. Yeah, he's classy. <laughs> right, right. So he's there, and he's like in this like it's it was just so off color. I mean, he had this white, this white, perfectly white warm up suit on, and he was like, <laughs> hair was perfectly in place. You yeah. know, back in the Osho days, and he had his he had his whole program. O showed up, and uh, freaking Jim snuck up behind him and tossed his ass right in the swimming pool. It was awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. O showed got out, thanked him. He thanked him. No, but uh, oh, yeah, he was not. Yeah, not really. But right. He, yeah. Oh boy. He didn't tell him he, he probably. Yeah. <laughs> so, that was good stuff. That's awesome. Yeah, I know. That's yep. funny. Um, yep. You ever race in Canada? Yeah. Yeah, I raced. Um, I did um, Olympic Stadium. I did the Montreal Supercross. I think I got fourth, fourth or third, or fourth or fifth. And then I did Toronto Exhibition Stadium the week after. All those races, by the way, with Hollywood Holly and the Rollerball. Of course, yeah, the great Rollerball. They took me, they uh, took me down in both of them. But no, you're not. not be- you're not beating not that literally. But yeah, they. You're not beating those guys. Like when it comes to a money race in some weird country, you're not nah. beating those guys. Yeah. Um, the only one that can beat rollerball in Canada is Jim. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Um, yeah. Well, they they used to um, they used to kind of battle like in Winnipeg. I'm from Winnipeg, right? And uh, so they yeah. would, they would battle in Winnipeg Arena crosses. And Jim would say one time they went down the first turn, and Jim's just like, "Stay down, stay down." The red flag will come <laughs> out, and sure enough, the red flag came out. You know, so. See, that's the kind of composure that I'm talking about with Jim. Right. Like I'm, you know, I, I could never do that, man. I'm scrambling, trying to man the intensity. It's like, how do you get your heart rate down to like you're like, hey, man, you're talking to your opponent. Right. Yeah. No. Um, like he's just something, man. Yeah. He was, no, was natural talent there. Yeah. So you, uh, you, you, I raced in, I raced in Winnipeg. Yeah. yeah. And we were talking about that. That's yeah. That's nuts. Yeah, I did. Um, eighty-eight. Yeah. You said. Yeah, I raced in 88. 88, I raced in Winnipeg Arena. I was there. I raced, the, 80, I I raced the ADCC support class uh, that yeah. day. And uh, and then I raced Saskatoon the next night. Yeah, I did Saskatoon also. Oh, yep. wow. I won Saskatoon. Yeah. I won a Walkman. Man. Yeah. 
Oh, I was, there you go. You probably weren't really watching because you were getting ready for the main, but I was out there battling. Yeah. Um, that's hilarious. Yeah. What did you ride? I got to see if I can look for photos. Of, of, what, what, I rode a Honda. A Honda. 19, I rode a Honda, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I rode Bones. Um, that was, Bones uh, was the promoter. Yeah, Bones is, yeah, Bones was the guy. He brought he everybody to, in. Yeah, he forgot to pick me up at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to, four hours in the airport. I had to take a cab into somewhere in Winnipeg and got a you got to enjoy dirty, you got to enjoy a dirty hotel. Oh man! Um, yeah. And then uh, I got Mike Jones was there, fifth, number fifty five. Yeah. I got his jersey still yeah. to this day. I have yeah. his jersey. That's awesome. We were there. Yeah, Mark Murphy. Steve that's the only time I ever raced Mike Mad Mike Jones. Yeah, that's awesome. That's funny. I I honestly yeah. don't remember yeah. you being there, but um, I just remember I remember Holly and Rollerball and. And Mad Mike, because yeah. I got his jersey, and I was I was a kid on '80s, so that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I don't know how you get archives on that. It'd be funny to. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I know. Uh, one of my buddies was jumping the trailer tabletop jump on his '80, and it was uh, a huge deal back then. I was not doing it, but. Uh, um, yeah. Wow. Um, well, nice. um, speaking of tabletops, yeah, one of our races in Europe. Um, it was. Uh, it was one of those hard cross races. All yeah. those, all those promoters always had. They also promoted like music concerts. Okay. And so, uh, one year we was in in the Netherlands race, as in Rotterdam, and uh, they had this. Inter- they had Shaka Khan come out singing <laughs> singing God. their song. I feel for you. Yeah, right, she had right, the purple right. hair. Yeah. And they they had us jumping over her head while she was singing that song. That oh no cool. way. Oh wow! Yeah, that's pretty neat. Like, I think AJ Whiting was with me over there. Mike Byer. So Tommy Tom Carson was it? Was, JoJo was there too. Was it super sketchy to 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 ju- to ride those things and then hit the wood jumps? You know the jumps weren't that bad. Um, what was sketchy is when you would you know back then you know they didn't have stuff ramped right where you did a lot of flat landing. Uh-huh. And so your frame, you'd just land, and your sparks would be flying. And, <laughs> uh, and, and you know, we would we would use road race tires on the bike. Yeah, yeah. Carson yeah, road race tires on the bikes. Yeah. Carson and Mike Byer just killed it. They should just go for months at yeah. a time, I guess. You know? Yeah, they they got along really good with the guy who promoted those things. Right. I didn't, right. I didn't hit it off with them so well, but uh, <laughs> that's cool. You know, and I was I don't know how that was because I was always like a, a meek. You know, but yeah, I don't know. When, they so, they hit it off, so he he did well over there. Tom, are you, you know? so you're not racing Supercross and, and Motocross, but are you doing Florida Winter Series and you're doing Europe? Are you making? Is this what you're doing to make a living at this point? Like kind of giving the dream up on the Supercross Motocross side, but still still racing? Oh no! All this was happening while I was in while I was still racing in the states. No, I know. Yeah, I didn't do any. I didn't do any Europe stuff um, after '87. Oh, okay. So I thought you kept going a little bit here and there. Okay. No, I did the yep. Canada thing. Okay. Uh, Hollywood Holly yep. connected me up there. Oh wow. Okay. So um, you and I just did a. I just did two races up there, and I never raced up. I never raced any other race that year. Oh, so you were like uh, getting a job now, being like a normal person at this point. Yeah. Like, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Wow. I was a regular. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, wow. Hey man, uh, nice career. Uh, fourth of place overall yeah. in the five hundreds, and seventh and, yeah. and ninth and a tenth and eighty six in a stack field. Like, nice yeah. to look back on that and see your name and all yeah. these results and stuff. I mean, yeah, that, that part's cool, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't really, you know i I don't really cry over spilled milk, and I don't, I don't like, yeah, you know, 
yeah, I could break it down. Yeah, I, I could have done things different, and and I don't really consider you know regretful because I think no. you know things happen for a reason. But but uh, you never know what could have been if I would have hung in there. Yeah, you no, know, absolutely. You just never know. No, you always have those thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. Top ten guy. You know, there's a lot of guys like you though. Like I've done so many of these. I don't know how much how many you've listened to, but I've, I've talked to a few. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to Whiting and Rick Ryan and mm-hmm. Jim and and mm-hmm. yourself and and, and Carson and and like mm-hmm. Tom Carson had some really good finishes. Jeff Hicks some really good finishes. Mm-hmm. And dude, there just was no rides. There's nothing out there for guys like that. And you know, um, yeah, it's a different deal. It's a different uh, different era for sure. Yeah, it's really it really is. I mean, you know, I was listening to uh you had Dino on there and someone yeah. had called in and and asked about uh you know, why are people, you know, the subject came up about um uh growing the sport and all that. Why why, oh. why people were getting hurt and yeah. why is the field yep. a little bit depleted and 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 one of the things Dean said was like, you know, they're you know, guys are pushing it to the limit and you know let me just tell you that the, the guys today and i mean it's just different but i mean they like the tom carson's the jeff hicks the jim hollies the yeah. you know these guys we we would have did anything we could we were pushing it to the limits on what we had in front of us so yeah. it's no different yeah, yeah i don't think you can yeah. be elite athlete whether it's 85 or 75 or 95, you're not being an elite athlete unless you're yeah. absolutely pushing the limits. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, yeah. I, I really agree with you on that. Like, yeah, the bikes yeah. weren't as good and the training wasn't mm-hmm. as good. And, and I, I believe in yeah. any sport, we're getting better and better. Mm-hmm. But yeah. in 1985 and 1987, mm-hmm. you guys mm-hmm. were phenomenal riders pushing the limits. I, I, yeah. I totally agree with that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, before we go on this uh, Fly Racing Racer X uh, podcast with Mark Murphy, presented by Maxis and Alpine Star Protects, I should be honest here and tell our listeners, Mark, this is our second crack at, at this podcast. Uh, Mark, Mark and I already did one, and uh, a lot of the stuff you guys just heard was already done and said, and, and, it was, and, and I reacted the same way, and I um, had the same questions. But I, in my stupidity... Well, computer crashed, I guess. I didn't save it right away. I left it on my computer desktop for a day or two. I go back to sit down, and the computer had shut itself off for some issue, and the file was gone. And, Mark, so I owe you, Mark, a beer or two for, for doing this again. I really do. <laughs> it's a fir- By the way, it's the it's yeah, first time it ever happened to me. So um, I feel yeah. uh, very grateful that you uh, gave me some more time to do another one of these. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate uh you know the what you represent there as far as you know going back in time and there's still some people out there that would probably enjoy some of this stuff and oh yeah i I really am a fan of what you do and it's it's you know i listen every week uh to some of your stuff as i travel back and forth from my one town to my other town Uh and so i've really i've really enjoyed some of this uh these uh, old timer stuff. No, oh, that's good to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I'm always yeah. in search of doing yeah. more, and I, I'm yeah. a fan. I, I grew up reading, devouring every issue of MXA, you know, and Dirt Rider and Dirt yeah. Bike and everything. And yeah. for me to talk to all these guys, I, I think it's yeah. cool, yourself included. It's just yeah. a real neat yeah. story, you know. And now I know Mark Murphy yeah. is is from Florida, but yeah. that is how he became yeah. RJ's buddy. Now I know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. thanks for giving me the time again on the uh, Fly Racing Race Rex podcast, Mark. Thank you. All right, buddy. Take care of yourself, and I'll be talking to you. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. 
Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunis. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, it, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse I mean, you know and i know from personal experience did anybody ever sit me down of course they did everybody did pro circuits mitch payton there's two ways to make the money one is you can sign for money or two you can earn the money i'm a high believer in earning the money i think they ride better when they earn the money seven time jeremy mcgrath i was so mad like so disappointed and so frustrated that i pulled pitch and i left every point counts I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it. You just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey,